This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. The poem says, Human voices wake us and we drown. But I've made this podcast with the belief that human voices are what we need. And so, whether from a year or 3,000 years ago, whether poetry or prose, whether fiction or diary or biography, here are the best things we have ever thought, written, or said. I was 17, uh, the summer of my senior year in high school, when I first got a copy of T.S. Eliot's uh, Collected Poems. Uh, Earlier that year in school, my English teacher had shown us, shown the class, an episode in that old documentary series that people may still show in high school these days called Voices and Visions. And they had uh, episodes on a handful of American poets and the one that we got to see, thankfully, was the one on Eliot. Uh, I don't remember anyone else in the class really being awake for it, but uh, I certainly remember standing at attention uh, when, towards the end of the show, there was uh, Eliot, the sound of Eliot reading the last dozen or so lines of The Wasteland, and the lines themselves were superimposed upon the screen on top of a images of a Tibetan burial, uh, I believe uh, shots of London Bridge and sort of uh, garbage heaps as well. Um, and this was something that struck me instinctually as something that I should uh, discover and find more out about. Uh, it wasn't anything uh, that showed me a way forward, especially with poetry then. I don't think I was looking for a way forward. Um, And the wasteland was something that uh, a poet really couldn't learn from, at least I couldn't at that age, uh, about how to write. It was something to aspire to do, perhaps in the future. Um, And when I really got down to thinking about it, uh, the poem of Eliot's that really affected me the most Uh, as a teenager living in suburban Ohio in the late 1990s uh, was almost certainly his poem called Preludes. Uh, Right there you have something that uh, a kid from uh, the more rural suburbs, I guess, could deal with. There's Eliot talking about uh, early mornings and uh, restaurants, uh, and there's also him talking about uh, or at least imagining, I didn't know uh, if this was his own biography or not, uh, imagining living in, a, in an apartment which, or uh, living in some foreign city, which all sounded very romantic to me at the time. Um, there's the strange mysticism about the poetry, uh, especially with the, the last uh, few lines that talk about uh, old women gathering fuel in vacant lots. 
and um, for someone who was just realizing that he might want to write poetry, uh, in these preludes, Eliot gives a, a very good lesson for a young poet um, who might not be comfortable with trying to rhyme uh, all through the poem of how to handle uh, occasionally rhyming within the poem. Uh, so there's an awful lot here, and I just want to try and read the preludes. Um, I don't know if I can quite do them justice, or for instance, if a 17-year-old out there hears me read this, I don't know that it would have the same effect on them as it did on me, uh, but it is worth trying to do. Part one. The winter evening settles down with smell of stakes and passageways. Six o'clock. The burnt-out ends of smoky days. And now a gusty shower wraps the grimy scraps of withered leaves about your feet and newspapers from vacant lots. The showers beat on broken blinds and chimney pots. And at the corner of the street, a lonely cab horse steams and stamps. And then the lighting of the lamps. Part two. The morning comes to consciousness of faint, stale smells of beer from the sawdust-trampled street with all its muddy feet that press to early coffee stands. With the other masquerades the time resumes, one thinks of all the hands that are raising dingy shades and a thousand furnished rooms. You tossed a blanket from the bed. You lay upon your back and waited. You dozed and watched the night revealing the thousand sordid images of which your soul was constituted. They flickered against the ceiling. And when all the world came back and the light crept up between the shutters and you heard the sparrows in the gutters, you had such a vision of the street as the street hardly understands. Sitting along the bed's edge, where you curled the papers from your hair, or clasped the yellow soles of feet in the palms of both soiled hands. His soul stretched tight across the skies that fade behind a city block, or trampled by insistent feet at four and five and six o'clock and short square fingers stuffing pipes, and evening newspapers and eyes, assured of certain certainties, the conscience of a blackened street, impatient to assume the world. I am moved by fancies that are curled around these images and cling. The notion of some infinitely gentle, infinitely suffering thing wipe your hand across your mouth and laugh the worlds revolve like ancient women gathering fuel in vacant lots any comments or suggestions for readings i should make in future episodes can be emailed to human voices wake us the number one at gmail.com Links to each work used in this episode can be found in the episode description. If you enjoy Human Voices Wake Us, you can subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. 
The music here is Duke Ellington's Arabesque Cookie.